I'm starting to think that this new Vikings regime is just trolling Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. They are actually praising the kicker in training camp. I think Mike Zimmer is going to come up here, wear a disguise, get on the field, and punch Quezzy or Kevin O'Connell here one of these days soon. It's all in play, Jim. Absolutely. When when you uh, listen to a coach, a member of the coaching staff, extol the virtues of a kicker and say, we think that he's going to be uh, in line for his the, his best season as a pro, that he has 100% confidence in him. You kind of look around and wonder, like, are you um, on that Ashton Kutcher gotcha show? Or are they, you know, what what what's going on here? Because this is not the Vikings regime that we are used to seeing. That's for sure. This is the Viking update show. He's John Krasinski from the athletic. He's also the star of the John Krasinski show, which is our NBA and Timberwolves show on the network. A uh, great year to be listening to that show. The Timberwolves are fascinating. Our producer is Brian Burdett. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Uh, you can find all of our shows at TalkNorth.com. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Thanks to Star Bank and TSR Injury Law. Uh, but before we get into what camp actually looks like, and by the way, I, I'm coming off a little COVID spell, and I've been uh, obsessed with the Twins lately, so I've not been out there. John's going to be our eyes and ears for what's actually happening at training camp. Yeah, I've been hearing for a long time now that Mike Zimmer has been fuming uh, at home about everything that's going on with the Vikings regime. He hates Spielman. He hates Cousins. He hates the fact that he's getting dissed. Uh, and I also had heard many times that he hated Kirk Cousins. That story finally belatedly popped that uh, he was ready to punch Kirk Cousins on the sideline <laughs> that, at that one symbolic moment of last season. It's I don't want to – listen, Mike Zimmer was a good coach, and he, he did a good job. But it it's almost hilarious how this has played out. I mean, you can just picture Zimmer down there pounding the red wine and getting angrier day by day. Yeah, you can. And, and uh, let's let's break this into two parts here, because first of all, um, I don't know about you, Jim, but I was flabbergasted by the sort of reaction to first. It was kind of a comment that Ben Lieber made. Um, about how Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins didn't get along. And then Paul Allen was speaking about the exact confrontation that you mentioned and, you know, basically just said, well, you could tell that that Zim wanted to go there, that it was that that he uh, yeah, he was not happy with that. And both of those things were like it's the first time anyone has ever even suggested that Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer weren't on the same page, let alone didn't like each other. I thought that was pretty well known. We knew that. I, I thought that that was pretty well dissected I mean, and I documented to, I, forever. And to see it like get the response that it did, that just surprised the heck out of me. It also tells you about our market a little bit. And, you know, listen, K-Fan is a dominant force in yes. the market. And Paul Allen is a house man. And Ben Lieber is a former Vikings player. And I do find that to be the case uh shockingly often for listen i'm a jaded old newspaper person who remembers when newspapers dominated the marketplace you know i i always feel like if i say something or if my my team or if you know beat reporters from the athletic or the star tribune or the pioneer press write or say something i always feel like okay that's out there yeah but the reality is for certain fans who don't want to pay a subscription price and get all their information from from free media they might not have known that 
They might not have, I, I guess, or at least maybe, I mean, maybe it was at the point of the training camps where everyone's just frothing for some red meat and, 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 and it's kind of juicy to really sink your teeth into that and, 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 and go over it again. But yeah, either way, anyway, it was, it just surprised me at how we kind of, or that people did really act like this was some huge revelation, but anyway, I digress either way. I do. Th- I am <laughs> absolutely sure that you are correct in that Zimmer is sitting down on the ranch and just grinding his teeth. And this, I don't think, is anything unique to Zimmer because that we are following right now the arc of a new regime or regime change in that the new people are coming in. They are in the honeymoon phase because they haven't lost any games, um, none of that. And it's natural for us as reporters, for fans, for players, for everyone in the organization to juxtapose the new versus the old. And that is what we have to go on in terms of trying to sketch out for our audience how things are going to be different because when you make a change like they did, or you make two significant changes like they did with Spielman and Zimmer, you, you imply that things needed to change and they obviously did need to change. And so every sort of line of questioning, every observation, every, every uh, piece of information in a, in a story or in a podcast or on the, on the radio is going to be used as a comparison to how it was done before, especially in this case where Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were in power for a very long time, relatively speaking toward to, to NFL parlance. And so um, I think this, the opening of this camp has been all about sort of a renewal, um, a fresh, a freshness to it. How o- o- O'Connell and um, and Quasi are doing things differently, and I can absolutely see how Mike Zimmer looks at that and says, "Man, all they're doing is criticizing me and taking shots at me, and and and, and all of this." I know Tom Thibodeau felt that way after he was gone from Minnesota from the Timberwolves. Every coach can kind of see sort of some of the passive aggressive shots that are taken once they're gone and some of the aggressive aggressive shots that are taken once they're gone. That's difficult for for people of ego and and for someone of Zimmer's case who did accomplish uh, a lot here and won a lot of games and 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 did a, a reasonably good job. Um, but they he's right now having to eat some some crow or just like sit back and and just take it i wonder i just do wonder when is he going to say all right enough is enough i'm going to say my piece on this and when he does it's going to be it's going to be a big one but uh so far he is he is biting his tongue and um and just kind of biding his time i guess for the right thing i know there have been lots of efforts made to get mike zimmer to, to open up from a number of people myself included uh, he has not done that yet, and uh, and we'll see when. But I have to imagine this is a difficult time for him, kind of seeing all of this stuff and 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 seeing his name kind of get thrown under the bus a little bit here. But that's just the nature of regime change, and and when what happens in these situations. 
in my information, I don't think I'm giving away any confidence here, is that Mike Zimmer is texting like a maniac to his <laughs> confidants uh, around the Twin Cities right now. Uh, so, yeah, I think eventually – well, I would say I think eventually he'll pop, but God – you will get to a point where it just won't be that big a deal and he might realize it, it it would just look petty. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing if he's responding like very specifically right now. If he waited to like week four and the Vikings had lost two in a row or something like that, that would look bad. Yeah, I, I think he's in a tough spot right now that way in terms of if he waits too long and and the Vikings start off poorly – then he comes in to pile on. Then it then it can kind of look like he's saying, I told you so. And that doesn't ever really come off as great as it might feel to say it. Mm-hmm. Or let's say that they start off really well. Let's say they're four and one and, and things are going going pretty smoothly and cleanly here. Then it's like, well, now he shouldn't chime in because now it's like, well, they've moved past you, Zim. Like this is, you know, it's this is not your time. It's not about you anymore. And so that's why I was hoping that sometime in like late June, July, in the kind of quieter period of this summer, that would have been a great time for Zim to air his feelings. And even if he doesn't just like do the full Zimmer and say exactly what was on his mind and be a hundred percent brutally honest. If he just kind of got his voice out there and here's what I thought about it. Here's what my plans are for the future. That would have been the easiest way for him to handle it. Um, And like, I'll just say, for instance, uh, you know, again, bringing in the Timberwolves into this, I think this was something that Ryan Saunders kind of ultimately decided um, you know, not to really have the way in, let's break everything down type of a conversation because, uh, you know, he was fired mid season. Obviously it's, that's not the time for it. Then this, the next summer was kind of a little wonky and he, he didn't want to, he didn't weigh in at that point. And then once the season got going and the wolves started to play well, there's not really a whole lot to say. And, and the last thing he wanted to do was, step on any toes or like distract from the team's success by having a piece out there with him saying whatever he wanted to say on it. And now we're more than a year removed and it's kind of like, well, um, that it is what it is. And, and so I think that's for Zimmer, the, the, the issue now becomes timing. And I just don't know that there's going to be a good time, uh, for what he wants, which I think is, probably some sort of vindication and, 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 and to really have his say about things and make it, you know, look like, um, you know, that it wasn't all his fault and that, and, and to really kind of, kind of weigh in with, with the way that things are going. But, um, that's why, you know, just, I I understand he was very, very upset this summer. I understand that it, you know, pride is hurt and all of those things, but, Sooner or later, think everyone moves on. The machine starts to go, and you're going to get left behind. And I think that's where Zim is at this point. 
We've grown TalkNorth.com in many ways over the years. We keep adding shows. We keep adding listeners. If you'd like to advertise with this show or the uh, Jeff Diamond Show, our former Vikings general manager does a great job for the network as well. We have two football shows on the network. You can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Also recommend following us at TalkNorthPod on Twitter. And by the way, Rick Spielman is now on Twitter, and I can't wait to not follow him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see like how he tries to stay relevant or keep his name in there. Uh, you know, we we do see so many of these coaches and executives become part of the media, and and Spielman has some some media uh, experience from way back in the day. But man, he just does, he just doesn't say a whole lot. So no. um, maybe he'll be a little more candid nowadays. Uh, I hope that's the case, but. Um, back then, back in, in in his Vikings days, when we'd have the rare sit downs with him, boy, it got maddening sometimes. Will you just kind oh. of say something and that that actually ma- makes sense? Uh, and and there wasn't a whole lot of that. So, um, I, the the one thing is like you, you, Twitter, you can't get him, can't get that cackle that he has um, to, <laughs> to capture in Twitter. So that's that's a one unfortunate. Uh, byproduct of, of of him going there instead maybe tiktok or instagram might be the place for him where he can cackle on there and people can get that and on twitter you unless he is going to take a lot of selfies you don't get the fabulous calves that's true and the calves are a big part of the spielman experience and i have to imagine the calves are even more glorious right now i mean he's had more time on his hands so no doubt you can really sculpt those things yeah or inserts i go with the inserts that's my strategy <laughs> nice Big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services, you got it. Start, check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Thanks also to our friends at TSR Injury Law. TSR Injury Law, first sponsors, I think, of the uh, John Krasinski show. Uh, and, and Steve Terry and his, his pals are big Timberwolves fans, but they support a lot of shows on the network. Just if, you, if you're injured, just remember 612-TSR-TIME. 612-TSR-TIME. They won't charge you unless they win your case, and they win a lot of cases. So just give me the, uh, the the gut reaction of being out at Vikings camp. Uh, as again, I have not been out there yet, and you have. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely um, it's it's an extension of what we saw in in the mini camp and OTA portion, where um, they they just had they they just had their first padded practice on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, um, and so th- there has been a lot of. It, O'Connell has really put an emphasis on teaching more so than the physical nature of camp. And I know that we've talked a lot about the the changes to training camp over the last decade or so, and especially over the last five years and how there's less and less contact there are fewer two a days there are the, the, the days are not as long and, 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 and there's not as much, you know, physical, uh, pounding the bodies, all of those things. But it feels like O'Connell has even taken that maybe a, a step further. Like As they're trying to implement new defensive system, new offensive system, what they have really focused on more than any kind of 
uh, physical competition is the the teaching aspect of it and making sure that these guys have the mental part of this game down so that they can go out and and do things with confidence and without many me- uh, mental errors. I we are starting to see start starting on Monday. There is a little bit more of the physicality that is being introduced, a little bit more of the one-on-one competitiveness and some trash talking and things and 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 stuff that has started to bubble up a little bit, but you absolutely see this Vikings coaching staff really sort of molding their identity around teaching and less around kind of grinding physically for them. We'll see if that pays off. I don't know. There you could see you can see it going two ways. They could be super fresh when the season begins and and ready to roll. They could be um a little bit rusty and not uh you know not ready for the speed and the contact and all of that. But um uh, th- that's been a calling card at least so far for me is just the way that they've gone about it and and what they've emphasized in terms of the mental part of it over the physical. That is interesting. And and you know what's funny? Go back going back to Zimmer. Zimmer, I many of the conversations I had with him early in his tenure were about, hey, you know, I gotta be a modern coach. I need to pay attention to sleep patterns and I gotta protect my players. But he just could never stick with it. As soon as something went wrong, he went back to full pads and having guys power on each other. I, I would guess that this group will be able to maintain this philosophy a little bit uh, longer. Yeah, and I, I think it really comes down to what your identity is as a coach. And and so Zim, when things were not going well and when he had kind of doubts about how they were doing things, he reverted to what he believed in from a bedrock level. And that is toughness and that is um, hard nosed and that is get after it. And it's old school. And look, he, he had a lot of success with that. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, it, it may have ground on some players at some points and, 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 and stuff, but like, there is a real argument to be made. Some players, even some players in today's game, not as many, but some of them will say, look, you have to be, you have to have some of that contact in those long days to get your body kind of calloused for impact. Uh, if, if the first real shots you're taking are in games, your body isn't physically ready for that. And so, um, so doing it and, and, and going through those kinds of, of things in, in training camp and in, in practices helps prepare you for it. But I think in terms of where O'Connell is and how he came up and in the McVay coaching tree and in the more modern era, um, you know, he wasn't coaching the Dallas Cowboys in the 1990s. You know, he wasn't, he, he wasn't doing that sort of thing. So, he has it's much more of his identity it's much more of his ground his base beliefs is that this is how you practice this is how you prepare guys to get ready to play and so even if they start out one and three or something like that i mean there may be some sort of self-evaluation in how you go about getting the improvement that you want, but I don't think it's going to be sort of the wild swing to now I'm a hard nosed, um, put the pads on and practice and let's, you know, ram into each other a bunch and toughen these guys up sort of a school. He's just not from that. This is, this is who Kevin O'Connell is. Mike Zimmer tried to adapt and change 
to a, a, a changing coaching landscape. Um, he had some success with that. He, he had some failure in that or he or or some inability to do that. Kevin O'Connell was raised in this generation, in this era of coaching this way, of practicing this way. And so I don't think there will be sort of the knee jerk reversion to something else because this is who he is. So I think there will be more consistency that way. Will it be more successful? I don't know. We'll have to see about that, but there at least will be that consistency of approach with him. Um, that is, that is going to be a little bit different here. What's your sense on backup quarterback at this point? You know, uh, I mean, Mond and, and Mannion are going at it. Um, they, they, they're certainly competing for that job. And I think I said on this, on this, we talked about this last week a little bit, but if Kellen Mond cannot beat out Sean Mannion uh, in training camp, then you have a real problem. If you're Kellen Mond, then you just, you, you're, you're not ready for this and you're not an NFL quarterback because that's that seat that spot should be gettable and he they are splitting the reps in a way that does open up the um the ability to i think compete for that job i don't think as of right now that this is sort of being steered towards Sean Mannion because they like what he brings to the room and they like the input that he gives to Kirk cousins and, um, and all of those things. I think it's there for Mond to take if he can do it. And so far, um, you know, I, I, I can't really handicap it. We have, we've had one padded practice, but um, certainly Mond looks improved from last year which is not a big um, you know, bar to clear, but a, an important one. And I think that you want to get you know, someone in there who's talented, who can, who can hold down the four for you and win um, if, if, uh, if Cousins gets hurt. And, so, and, and I, I guess I, just, I look at this as more of a real competition than maybe I anticipated at the start of camp. So Kevin O'Connell pulled in the beat writers during one of the mini camps to say, hey, don't be uh, spreading our secret secrets around. And now he has signs up at uh, training camp, basically telling fans not to share what they see. Uh, I'll just leave it to you. Uh, crazy paranoia or sensible approach? I mean, I, here's what I'll say. I don't I'm not going to overreact to it and say that it's the worst thing in the world. But I, I, I do have a concern about it because this is the kind of thing that usually comes up when coaches are worried about the wrong thing. Um, it's, you know, Hey, don't step on the wild logo in the middle of the locker room. Yeah. That's which the, by know, the way, they put on the floor on the floor in, a in the middle space. of the locker room. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's that it's, Hey, I have hundreds of fans here watching practice and we're going to tweet out some practice clips and things like that. Don't, don't, um, uh, don't take video and send it and, and send it out on social media because I, I think what the message on the screen said, like, you know, don't compromise our ability or whatever, or to, to beat the bears and the Packers and the lions. Like if you lose a game in the regular season, because a fan took a video 
of what was happening at practice, then you have way bigger problems than a fan taking a video at practice. And so I just don't, I don't like it. Um, I, it doesn't, it feels unnecessary to me and it only invites kind of a scrutiny and a reaction that doesn't seem fair. The, and, and I'll pander a little bit here, but I'm not really pandering fans come out to see these practices. They are excited about it. They want to document it. They want to show that they were there and, um, and, and, and they want to take some videos and see some of the cool things that they did that the Vikings did while they were there, while you're up close and personal to try and guilt trip fans into doing this is it's, it's, it's low grade. It's just not, it's not necessary at all. It, it, it speaks to a little bit of insecurity here. And again, I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but it just, it's a little troubling to me of like, why are you worried about this dude? Like, this is not, this is not a big deal. You are not reinventing the wheel. You are not doing things that have never been done before. Maybe you do them a little better than other people have. Maybe you do them a little differently. But um, it just it it makes me worry that they're worried about the wrong things. I'll just say that. That's exactly right. And and I come from an era of NFL beat writing where we could actually watch regular season practices. And listen, we always knew the deal. It was, it was explicit. You don't give away game plan stuff. You don't give away formations. You don't give away trick plays. Uh, you can kind of, you know, observe general, general generalities, but you don't give away anything. And, but that's in season when they're actually putting a game plan in no Packer or bear or lion coach is going to say, Oh boy, they were practicing this on August 1st. Uh, this gives us some great insights into how they're going to try to beat us on October 28th. Well, and let's just extrapolate this a little bit more, Jim. Like if, if you are really paranoid about fans taking videos of this, What's preventing the Packers from sneaking right. a scout into the into the stands there and per, wearing purple and and just having them watch the whole practice and jot things down and take notes and document it? Why are you letting fans in at all? You know, right. if you have to me, like if if there are some super secret um, things that you are going to spring on the Packers in week one. Hey, maybe you do have that. Maybe they have some tricks up their sleeve that are, that are going to catch Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers completely flat footed. Don't practice those during the periods that fans are there. Like, just don't do it. Um, find another time to do it. But, um, every team in the league will most, I think almost every team in the league allows their fans in and and this is just part of it. And so um, I, I just think that you can you can take this thing further, like the, the Lions could sneak someone in um, and, and, and watch, you know, watch the Vikings practice and 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 have a heck of a lot more to go off of than, you know, a, a 15 second video that one fan posts with Dalvin Cook in the slot. So. Um, it just, it, 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 you're just twisting yourself up into pretzels trying to, um, you know, trying to cover yourself up. And, and I just think that that's just creates more aggravation than you need at this point. Just concentrate on 
coaching the team and getting them as prepared as you can for week one. And I mean, I just don't think that there is something that can be compromised for you by putting, you know, by a fan putting some, some random video out. I, I think it's unnecessary. And I think that putting those kinds of, uh, uh, messages on the screen, on the, on the big board are just like, it just makes you look more paranoid than I think they are. I don't think this is, you know, them, you know, being ultra controlling and paranoid, but it sure makes you look that way sometimes. And I don't think that's a good look. The other thing is think about all the great NFL teams we've watched, the great dynasties, the great <laughs> coaches. They do the same thing over and yes. over and over again. They just do it well. And they like the, the 49ers, they had the the toss sweep to, to Roger Craig or whoever the back was because it set up their, their bootlegs and their other play action passes. Uh, the Packers had the power sweep. You know, the Dallas Cowboys had the, uh, the, the what they call it the delay draw I, I, there's a better word for it but i'm blanking on it but they that the, they had a little delay draw to emmett smith and everything came off of that it's not fooling people it's doing things better than other people you you win games because the cowboys had stebnoski and eric williams and all these other guys Nate uh, blocking yeah bl- blocking for emmett smith you win games because aaron rodgers is throwing the ball to and it doesn't even matter he's just that good you are going to win games because you have kirk cousins and dalvin cook and justin jefferson and adam thielen or you have daniel hunter and zadarius smith and eric kendricks and you win on the talent and that talent being put in the right positions but um to to have like policies like this it really implies that you have something just completely genius that no one else has thought of. And I just think that that is giving too much credence to the X's and O's version. It, they're important. It's important what you do. It's important to have some element of surprise, but in the end you're going to win because you have great players performing well in big moments and you put them in the right positions and this is it's like um it, it's oh so it's it, it's like let's do a little cowherd thing it's like uh a courtroom on tv versus a courtroom in real life on tv there's always some surprise revelation right the the lawyer calls a witness um out of the blue there's a, there's a piece of evidence that is introduced that caught that catches the the defense completely off guard in in and 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 it flips the case in one way or the other um in real life there are rules in place that prevent all of those things from happening it is much more boring and process oriented and process driven and that's what wins cases in the nfl in real life it is process it is practicing it is executing it is it is acquiring the talent and that's what wins games more than um some complete out of the blue trick play or formation that no one saw coming or approach um of that nature and so 
I, I just think it's it, it's it's creating more work and 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 changing the perception of what actually wins games in the league. And hopefully this is just one little blip of a rookie head coach who is still trying to figure things out and 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 find his way. And he will get more secure in his abilities and the abilities of this coaching staff over the long haul and will think better of it as we go along. Um, but, you know, right now uh, it, it just looks like someone who is unnecessarily concerned with something that has a 1% chance of, of having any kind of an uh, effect on the outcome of games in 2022. Thanks again to our producer, Brian Burdett. Thanks to star bank and TSR injury law. One more topic to go. You know, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. If you're, if you're tired of Deshaun Watson, if you don't want to hear it and you just wanted to hear the Viking portion of the show, uh, Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. I do think we want to, we want to deal with this a little bit. Uh, it's disgusting. Uh, it, it's it's maddening uh, how they hire an outside judge to take a look at this, and the judge basically ends up using NFL precedent to get Watson an incredibly lenient uh, suspension, just a six-game suspension that'll cost him like 0.014 percent of his total uh, salary out of this contract because everything's backloaded. And, and of course, the Browns' handling of it has been horrible, and they keep on. It's like the Browns keep on saying that Watson's been remorseful, and yet Watson himself has not expressed any remorse at all. It's it's this is all maddening, and it's so NFL. It's so NFL, and like you're right, like there's been no remorse. I've missed no. the part where he expressed remorse for any of this. He never did, and maybe that was strictly from a legal perspective, covering himself, so he didn't open himself up to even more liability um, from a, either a civil or a criminal standpoint. But there has been no remorse set. And I just don't understand the distinction that she tries to make of this was not this, this sexual assault was not violent in nature. And so it's, it's called assault. Like there's no nonviolent assault. And maybe just because uh, Watson didn't sort of, you know, physically grab them and like, and, and, and injure them as he was doing what he was doing to them. It doesn't mean that it wasn't violent in nature. And, and so um, you, you just, you look at this and you say six games, there is just no possible way. And I do think when you look at it too, it seems like the way that this was presented to the judge is is suspect as well because only I think five cases were presented to the judge and there were what 22 or 23 Mm -hmm. in total. And so now what's the difference between 23 and five versus one, you could say one is too many, but I do think that um, there must've been a reason for the five versus the full boat, but still like this is a serial uh, you know, offender. And, and in the judge's order, it is, you cannot have a massage from anyone not employed by the team. And there has been full, basically determination that what Deshaun Watson did was wrong. It just wasn't that wrong. And that to me really just boggles my mind and baffles me. 
And what this, you know, what this comes down to is the Cleveland Browns made a gamble or a bet that this is the way that it would go. And they clearly also do not care about the public perception about any of this. The statement they issued yesterday was absolutely ridiculous. And um, and they're just going to go forward and just expect that people will eventually forget about this as soon as he starts throwing touchdowns. And they may be right. But to see the way that the ruling was sort of uh, w- w- the way that the judge came to her decision, um, it, it leaves a heck of a lot to be desired in terms of an actual full accounting for what Deshaun Watson is purported to have done and that the judge determined actually did do. In the league, it's, and here's the problem. The NFL's popularity insulates it from everything. Yep. Yep. And unless, uh, you know, 20 million women just stop watching the NFL, uh, they just, they're going to get away with this. Yep. And, and, and the, like the, the other thing then I've seen it brought up a bunch of places, but Calvin Ridley was suspended for an entire year for betting $1,500 on the Atlanta Falcons to win a game. And, and then you juxtapose this against Deshaun Watson and what he has done to more than 20 women. And he settled a bunch of these cases and all of this stuff, but I mean, there, there, there is no line of logic that apply that you can apply to justify the the way that these two di- things were handled in such different terms. I mean, the NFL made a statement on Calvin Ridley, like here we are telling every single player in this league this is an absolute no uh, line in the sand. You cannot cross this line. And if you even come close to tiptoeing to it, we are going to hammer you on it. And there's no world where uh, gambling on a game is worse than the infliction of yourself upon a whim on one woman, let alone 23 women. And instead, Deshaun Watson is going to play in an NFL in a league um, game and make almost all of his money uh, for the entirety of his $230 million contract while Cal- uh, while Calvin Ridley is losing an entire year's salary and um, and will have to start from square one next season. And it's just uh, the, the, I, I don't see how you square those two things. It's it, it's impossible for me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, well, we'll continue to talk about this. We'll, of course, continue to give updates from training camp. Uh, thanks for the good stuff from Vikings training camp. Thanks to everybody listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week with both the John Krasinski Show and the Viking Update Show.